Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to continue our on-air candidate forum series with the U.S. Senate candidates who are going to be challenging each other for the Republican primary. That will be in May of 2022, but the campaign's already heated up as these candidates are making their way around Ohio and meeting with Ohioans across the state in cities large and small and groups across the state to talk with them about the issues. And, of course, there's a number of candidate forums. But this is the on-air candidate forum with the Ohio Christian Alliance, and you can hear all of the interviews on our website at ohioca.org. With me on the phone is Cleveland businessman Bernie Marino, and he's jumped into this race for the U.S. Senate. And uh, Bernie is well-known in the Cleveland area, and uh, I'm going to let him tell his story. But first, uh, let's uh, welcome him to the program. Bernie, welcome to the program. Chris, thank you for having me, and thank you for what you do and what the Ohio Christian Alliance does. It's uh, really amazing work over the last 30 years that, you, that you've been uh, uh, here doing and fighting the good fight. Well, thank you, and that's right. You were at our Freedom Banquet last month at the Akron Hilton, and the folks got a chance to meet you and hear from you, and they uh, were impressed with what they heard that night. But actually, Bernie, as I've been out there uh, going to some of the groups that we go to and stop in and see people and some of our grassroots, I've bumped into you there as well. So you're really getting around uh, the state, and uh, tell us what you're hearing from Ohio voters right now as you travel the state? What are you hearing from the voters? They're really concerned about the direction of the country, which is really the reason I jumped into this race, because I am too. I was born in Columbia, South America, as you know. I moved to the U.S. legally and became a U.S. citizen, learned English. And so I know how special this country is. And what I hear from people all over the state of Ohio, what they have in common is they're really concerned, they're very upset, they're very engaged. And they don't want the country to uh, be fundamentally changed. They don't want to lose America the way they know it. They want this country to be true to its founding principles, a country that was founded in the idea that God gives us our rights, not the government. And uh, that's, they see this country fading away. And to a large extent, let's be honest, Chris, other than you and your organization, a few others that really have been fighting this for 30-plus years, uh, the rest of us honestly probably didn't do enough. We weren't as engaged. And we saw this country heading left, and we thought that somebody else would fix it or it would heal itself. And what we saw is that we have a ruthless, horrible, radical left that wants to remake this country in the image of Cuba, Venezuela, China. That's what they want, and we will not let that happen. Well, that's right. You talk about on your website, and your story is living the American dream. Of course, it started with a flight to America with your mom and five brothers and, his, and your sister, uh, coming from Colombia to the United States, uh, and what it states here is that uh, you came from a country surrounded by social, socialist ideology, radicals like Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. They promised to give everyone all they needed and solve all their problems, but uh, actually that was not what happened. And, of course, the threat now is threat, uh, rising here in America. For those of us who have been born and raised here, uh, we're kind of like the frog in the pot. We don't see it right away, but I'm being told by those like yourself uh, who have a background of running from tyranny uh, that they see the, the uh, alarms that we should be seeing. 
Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I would say what's interesting about this election is that these immigrants, people like me who moved here from another country, are really the canaries in a coal mine, right? That we, we see this because we've seen it happen before in other countries, and we know where the movie ends. You know, the left loves to talk about the big lie. And, of course, they're talking about uh, the, uh, the election fraud. The reality is the biggest lie that we've ever been told is this idea of socialism, this idea that government is who solves our problems, government is who looks out for us. You know, Chris, you and I have something, and, the, and all your listeners have something in common. We know who looks out for us. We know who's guiding us. We know who created us, and that's God. And it's that firm belief that's grounded on that principle that doesn't allow us to even think about socialism or Marxism or communism. But unfortunately, too many Americans have been indoctrinated to think that God doesn't exist. And so they've adopted this religion of socialism. And I've seen it firsthand in Cuba, in Venezuela, in China, in Russia. It does not end well for them. And I think it's up to us to really open their eyes, which is really goes back to biblical principles, this idea of being on that mission to really to have people really see that light. It's really important, and that's what this election is about. Well, that's right. And the administration right now, the Biden administration, is pushing a socialistic agenda. And of course, this $3.5 trillion expenditure they're trying to get through uh, Congress, and actually the, the dollar amount will be that much more with Bernie Sanders pushing for even more social programs, will put America at risk financially. So we do have a debt crisis. Yesterday, the Congress lifted the debt ceiling on a short term. Uh, they're going to have to revisit it in eight more weeks, uh, less America defaults on its debt. But what we have right now is we do have a debt crisis. We have runaway spending in Washington. And, of course, now we have uh, runaway inflation. Your thoughts on that with the Biden administration's approach to the economy? Well, the reality is, unfortunately, Chris, a lot of these are academics, people who have never experienced the real life before. Uh, as somebody who's been a job creator my entire life, I know how these variables work. And what they don't realize, which all of us do, is that while we may be seeing some small increases in wages, maybe 1% or 2 or 3%, uh, inflation's getting us at 5 or 6 or 7%. So the dollar's just not buying what they used to buy. Everybody knows that. I mean, if you if you leave your house, you understand you're, it costs a lot more to fill your tank, costs a lot more to buy that car, costs a lot more to get food, even if you can get it, by the way, because there's also shortages. What's happened is not so much that our country will be imperiled financially, but it will remake what this country is all about. Because ultimately, this is a government takeover of more and more sectors of the economy, with the master plan being what you see in Venezuela and Cuba, which is that the government took over the entire economy, and then it made everybody in that country dependent on a government that can only promise one thing at the end of the day, which is misery for everybody. That's the real equality of outcome that socialism leads to. Many businesses are facing the challenges of an employee shortage right now. And of course, this is causing disruption with basically the hours of operation of a lot of local businesses. But we also see a supply chain disruption uh, right now with uh, what's coming from uh, China and Taiwan. And we'll get to the national security issue with Taiwan and China. 
But let's talk about that with supply chain disruptions and what's happening with the economy along those lines right now. Your thoughts? Yeah, I wrote an op-ed about this in the Cincinnati Inquirer back in May. I talked about the wage inflation problem, the supply chain problems, and also, by the way, the demand-driven problem, which is this government spending. Because remember, when government spends money, they're competing with the private sector for materials, goods, and labor, right? So you had all three at the same time. We've never seen anything like this before. I think when we see inflation rate come spring, it's going to make today's inflation rate look really low. In terms of the supply chain problems and the worker shortages, what's happening there is that you have government policies that are encouraging people to stay home to watch Netflix instead of going to work. And you know, listen, I was raised probably like you were, Chris, nothing soothes your soul outside of, of course, your faith more than hard work and effort. Knowing that you went out and you gave it your all, that's what built America. This idea of American exceptionalism comes to this idea that we work hard. And we're never bound by anything other than our dreams and our ambition. But this all, all of a sudden, what the left and the Biden is pushing on is the idea that you can live a life of dependency on government. We can never, ever let that uh, uh, take root here in America. Let's talk about the southern border. I think you're the only candidate that I'm aware of, unless I'm mistaken, of those who have announced for the U.S. Senate campaign to fill the seat of Rob Portman that has actually gone to the southern border. We have seen uh, the migration and actually an invasion over the border since uh, Joe Biden took office, and uh, the administration is doing nothing to mitigate the crisis. And then we saw uh, this stream of tens of thousands of uh, Haitians that actually we're making their way over the border. And I think in August alone, the number was 200,000 illegal immigrants pouring over the border. Uh, again, this causes a national security threat. Uh, we see that the cartels are pushing drugs over the border. We have an opiate addiction uh, crisis here in Ohio. Once again, we were making progress in recent years, but unfortunately, we've backslidden from that status. And now it's, uh, it's a crisis all across the country. Your thoughts on the southern border? Well, I mean, Chris, you said it perfectly, honestly. Uh, you know, this is an invasion of our country. To make it worse, it's an intentional invasion of our country. Our leaders, which is a terrible thing to say, but our leaders are encouraging this invasion because they want to fundamentally alter the demographics of this country, thinking that eventually these will be future voters. But in reality, it's an incredibly dangerous game. We don't know who these people are. We don't know where they're intentions are, and we don't know where they're going. And it doesn't take a lot of error to end up with a catastrophic disaster. And I can tell you, I promise you, Chris, those of us who came here legally find it extremely offensive to see the government reward and even allow people to cross into America illegally. It's not right. It's immoral. It's dangerous. It has to be stopped. I've been talking about this thing in invasion since the beginning of the year. I think the only alternative we have right now is to send the United States military to the border, seal that border, because not only do we have the human trafficking, child trafficking, the crime wave that's going to hit our country, the danger I just mentioned, but there's been enough fentanyl brought into America this year to kill every American seven times over. Ohio is ground zero in this drug war. And we're just allowing this to happen. We're allowing our leaders to, to do this. And I'm in Washington, D.C., as I talked to you today. And you know what they're debating here? It's how much more trillions of dollars to spend rather than 
solving the things that we just talked about, the border crisis, the supply chain problems. They just want to spend more of our money instead of solving this. It's gross. The administration has just turned a deaf ear about the border. Every time the question is raised, they change the subject. They just, uh, they're they're turning their head and and winking as these illegal immigrants pour over the border. And so uh, for the administration, it looks as if it is a welcome sign to all those who would like to make their way to the United States. And uh, the states like Texas, the governor there has called for a convention of other governors to come to uh, Texas to talk with him because it's not just a Texas problem or Arizona or California. These folks are making their way into the interior. In fact, I saw buses, U.S. government buses, on a Sunday morning, and they were carrying illegal immigrants, and this is the migration. After they get them in the catch-and-release program, uh, they're getting them at the border, but then they're trafficking them across the country. So they're already in our communities making demands on social services. And again, uh, for those of us who pay taxes, and uh, it, you know those uh, uh, who are on social security. I mean, this is a stress on the the uh, uh, demand for government services by these illegal immigrants. Your thoughts? Yeah, one hundred percent. Listen, I, I wish that we had the resources in America to save everybody in the world. But we don't. We have to take care of our vets, our seniors, the people that we have here in America who are homeless. Our, we don't have the resources to save the entire planet. We just don't. And we have to look out for America's interests first. That just is logical and it makes sense. And by the way, what every other country on earth would do. But if you don't mind, I'll share with you a quick story. When I went down to the border, I didn't just go to the U.S. side. I went to the I went into Mexico, despite knowing that I put myself in incredible harm's way by doing that. It's very dangerous to go to these Mexican border towns. But, you know, if, if, if it's time for the God to call me, it was time for God to call me. And it wasn't that day. And so I felt calm and, and secure in that knowledge. But I'll tell you something interesting that, that Chris, I think you'll appreciate. I was talking to the people in Acuna, Mexico. As you, as you know, I'm fluent in Spanish. So as I talked to them, I asked them what their thoughts were of these migrants coming across. And the, re, the answer will probably surprise a lot of your listeners. They were incredibly upset. They could not believe that what Joe Biden was doing to their town. Because you see, these refugees, these migrants, are destroying their towns also. Right. And I then asked them, I asked them something that was very interesting. I said, how many of you, if you could legally come into America? And what do you mean? All of us. A hundred percent of us would go there. And I said, well, when you saw those migrants crossing, were you not tempted? And they said, our faith tells us to follow the law. And we would not do that. And we find it offensive that they are breaking the law and that the United States government is allowing that to happen. And they looked at it as an issue of faith. And I just thought that was really interesting because sometimes we don't always look at it from the perspective of what's going on in Mexico. And they also, by the way, love the idea that President Trump surged the Mexican military there because it made the drug cartels be dramatically less powerful. But the first thing that Joe Biden did is he told the president of Mexico, you know, you don't need to worry about that anymore. So he recalled all those troops. And now where there's three military people, there used to be 30 or 40, they've seen the crime wave go up. They've seen the drug cartels influence increase. This is how bad the policies are. That you're talking to average citizens in Acuna, Mexico, where they make an average of $50 a month. They understand it fundamentally better than the President of the United States of America and the so-called uh, borders are. We're talking with Bernie Marino. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate. 
that the filing deadline's not until January, but the can the campaign's well underway, and there's a number of candidate forms that will be aired in the next couple weeks. We're glad that uh, Mr. Marino has joined us today. I want to turn the corner to again on national security. We saw in Afghanistan the closure of the United States presence there as an absolute debacle. Uh, America hasn't been embarrassed like that on foreign policy in decades. I had with me on my program a couple weeks ago former religious ambassador Sam Brownback, uh, also former governor of uh, Kansas, and he was talking about that it was terrible to see what had happened in Afghanistan. We talked about uh, the humanitarian crisis, the atrocities that were going on as the Taliban has taken over. In fact, the United States took in 37,000 unvetted Afghans and then released them into the interior again. The Biden administration did not properly vet these people, so they could be part of Taliban. They could have be a national security risk that's been unleashed upon us. Your thoughts about the closure of the U.S. presence in Afghanistan? It's actually the only word I could possibly use. It's, it's, it's incredibly sad. Uh, not only everything that you said, but I also went to the memorial service from Max Soviet from Berlin Heights. And to see the mom and the dad and the family uh, having lost Max um, when it was completely avoidable, uh, we didn't need to put Max in that situation and the 12 others. And to know that uh, Joe Biden uh, and his inability to properly run operations uh, where anybody with any kind of even shred of common sense would have known, you keep Bagram open, you vet the refugees through there, you get out our civilians, you get out our equipment. And then when all is said and done, you get out of the military and maybe even revisit the question of should we keep Bagram open at even some low level just to make certain that we keep the Taliban in check. I mean, that's, does it require 17 master's degrees from Harvard to figure this out? But we have a national security director that writes white papers his entire life that that was a good idea. Uh, and then beyond Afghanistan, Chris, what I worry about is a message that that weakness and ineptitude has shown China. Because what I worry about is that China's gotten the green light to say, this guy's so weak, so inept, that we have a golden opportunity right now to take over and conquer Taiwan. I would be surprised if that doesn't happen in the next six to nine months. And when that happens, we are going to be dependent on the Chinese Communist Party for 75% of the world's electric batteries, 80% of the world's solar panels, 93% of the world's semiconductor chips, and virtually all the world's uh, rare earth minerals, uh, pharmaceuticals, and PPE. And if that's not the most important national security threat, I don't know what is. And uh, this is all caused by one person and one person only, which is the ineptitude of President Biden. When we look this last week, the Biden administration is actually talking back-channel to, to the Taliban. The Taliban is wanting humanitarian aid of all things because the, the Afghanistan is currently teetering on collapse with the sanctions that have been placed against it and also the power outages. Uh, the Taliban cannot manage their affairs of, after they've taken over the country, and now they're asking for humanitarian aid. Your thoughts on that? You know, one of the presidents I got to uh, really know a lot was Reagan, because that was my formative years. I was just, you know, learning Spanish, learning English. Having, uh, I've been fluent in Spanish uh, as my first language, learning the Declaration of Independence, the Federalist Papers, the, the Constitution. I mean, this was a time that, for me, was so fortunate to have Ronald Reagan right during those years for me. 
And he said it best. You don't negotiate with terrorists, Chris. And I, I don't know how more complicated you have to make that. You can't possibly negotiate. With these. these are people who stone people, behead them, kill them, treat women in a way that is so incredibly offensive. And yet we think that we can negotiate with them and bring them some sort of civility. It's crazy. It makes no sense. And uh, again, we just have people running this country right now that have absolutely no idea what they're doing. Let's turn the corner here to some social issues. Ohio, just a couple of years ago, passed a heartbeat bill that would ban abortion when a heartbeat is detected. That style of legislation has actually been passed in other states. Texas's uh, heartbeat bill was upheld, and uh, that battle is uh, continuing But in the courts. But it looks like the lo- latest go-around, the courts have upheld that for the state of Texas. The U.S. Supreme Court is poised to listen to another pro-life case uh, or abortion case on December 1st, and many believe that this court is poised to strike down Roe v. Wade. Would you be in favor of the U.S. Supreme Court striking down Roe v. Wade, which legalized abortion on demand in the United States? Yes. This is a topic that I've been talking about for 40 years of my life, this idea that uh, we somehow misunderstood what the Declaration of Independence said, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, among them life. How do we forget that, Chris? And how do we, how do we allow 66 million babies to be murdered over the course of this ridiculous law? And the reality is, on the left, it, they look at us as the extremists on this position, that it's a woman's right to choose. It's a human being from the moment of conception. The good news that gives me a lot of hope is that science has shown it's not a cause of cells. That was the argument 40 years ago. I remember being a teenager having this conversation. It's a life. It's a human. And nothing is more sacred than human life. And as humans, if we're willing to take another's life and turn the blind eye on that, I don't think we have the moral standing to discuss any other topic beyond that. Very good. We're talking with Bernie Marino. He is a candidate for U.S. Senate, and you can learn more about his uh, campaign at BernieMarino.com. That's BernieMarino.com. And uh, how can folks follow you on the campaign trail, Bernie? Yeah, they, uh, if they use social media, uh, I'm on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, at Bernie Marino. Uh, the, our events are listed there. We have a great forum tomorrow in Versailles, and we have one in Cincinnati on Saturday in Akron on Monday, next Saturday uh, in Cleveland, and then on uh, the following Monday, I'm sorry, Sunday, Genoa Baptist Church. Uh, So we are out there uh, all over the state of Ohio. Uh, If there's an event that is out there, I will be there. My wife of 32 years and I I get a chance to do this with her. She's a great partner. She's married my best friend. uh, We get to do this together, travel the whole state. We really, really enjoy it. Uh, so I'm certain we'll bump into a lot of your listeners at many, many places. Uh, I know that I know how to work hard. I know how to get uh, out there in front of people. And I will win this election because this is something that is so important that we send the right person to Washington, D.C. Chris, we sent too many wrong people. We haven't vetted the candidates well enough, and we ended up with the wrong people. And I know I'm the right person. So again, BernieMarino.com. Thank you, Bernie, for being on the program today. We appreciate it very much. 